Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at insperity.com. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Ranks 
squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week. And today we're going to be talking about the race for the European Golden Boot or Golden Shoe, if you prefer. We're going to be discussing all the contenders, the way that the competition works and who might be lifting that little gold trophy at the end of the season. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me is our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Um, yeah, race for the golden boot, race towards Christmas in this house, my birthday uh, out the way, Dylan's birthday now out the way, and all talk has turned to Santa. Uh, yeah, it, the big man is one, pre- one present done for Dylan, <laughs> another one on the way. Uh, so hard having a, never really appreciated it when I was a kid, like that my parents had to like deal with this. And now that I'm having to deal with having a birthday to buy for so close to Christmas and figuring out what you get for them when is extremely annoying but he got uh, a messy into Miami kit uh the weekend and he didn't take it off for two days um wore it literally constantly refused to take it off wanted to wear it to school on Monday no you can't do that mate. we also need to wash this thing you stink um but yeah so so it's all gone well mate and now we are we're counting down towards a big day yeah absolutely absolutely it is that isn't it I was I've, I thought about this a little bit sometimes when you know I'm a birthday in February you're a birthday in December my brother is bang in the middle of july and yeah, i was saying taylor that's great you get six months mm. present six months present you don't get them it all is. in one big clump and then have to, to wait for summer so it you know, really is advantages yeah. and disadvantages totally yeah um a couple of friends of ours have got the babies born on christmas day and i'm like you'd have to move it it's been like, officially that's my birthday, but I'm going to move it. Weirdly, though, that one's a little bit different. In that, that actually might be the worst day because they would just be like, we're just lumping your presents together. And that's exactly getting... what they'll do. 100%. Yeah, exactly. That might so be the worst to... day to have a birthday. Yeah, you have to shift it to June or July so that you can, you can proper be cele- properly be celebrated. Uh, anyway, your half birthdays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not what this podcast is about, but you're all welcome here. Just also to shout out me, because everyone that listens to the Patreon, and if you're not on Patreon, please feel free to to come over. It's a great time to to hop on board and take out your free trial and then stay for life because it's great. We do a show called Pick Eleven, where each week at the end of the show we. We both picked two bets for the weekend and we basically get 11 coins, 10 on our big bet and, and one coin on an outsider. And for the first time this season, I've actually come in with both coins winning, uh, both sets of coins, I should say. Everton beating Chelsea, Girona beating Barcelona. Two amazing predictions from the guru himself. I mean, come on, give me some praise here. You get loads of praise. It, it would be more praise, and there would be plenty more of it if you weren't about a hundred coins behind both the patrons and us. So, yeah, I mean, unless the people are listening to patrons, they don't know that, so they don't need to know. So, if you want to hear more about that, you know where to go. <laughs> you know where to <laughs> description find Description below. Yeah, the links in the description. It is a good time to come and join the patron, especially ahead of the January window, where Dean is going to be heading up, up on all here. the different different transfer yeah. bits that you need to know. There's loads of fun over there. So please do come and check it out. Let's start with things we love, shall we, DJ? What have you got for me this week? Some people won't love this, but in an episode where we're celebrating goal scorers, mate, this seems very, very apt. And actually, I do kind of love it. Cristiano Ronaldo has just scored his 50th goal of 2023 as Al Nasser... Uh, won in the semi-finals of the Saudi King Cup against Al-Shabaab. Now, obviously, when you dress it up as as that, um, it doesn't sound like the greatest feat in the world. But 
bear in mind, mate, in just over a year's time, this guy is going to be turning 40, right? Bear in mind, his thing in life is that he is the star. He scores goals. He is the man. Well, fair play to him because he made a choice that is fitting with what his identity is. And he's gone over there and he is absolutely smashing it. Um, yeah, so for this season, he's got 26 goals. Um, obviously, like, you count his goals as well for, for Portugal across this year. Um, I'm not going to, like, suddenly come out and say the Saudi Pro League is great and I watch all of his matches because I don't. But I have made a point of watching all of his goals to talk about it here. And yes, there are a fair few pens in there. Yes, there are a fair few tap-ins slash horrendous goalkeeping moments. But there's also some proper Ronaldo stuff in there. There's a couple of really nice free kicks that like, he's still, he's still serving those up occasionally. He's still serving up some of those strikes that go across goal into the corner that he's become like a trademark of his. And he's also just played his 1,200th professional match this guy is an absolute machine and love him or hate him mate like for our era through our lifetime you won't really see anything like this again and I'm so glad we've lived through it I'm so glad we've experienced it and as I say like even if you have hated Ronaldo since the moment you started watching him he's brought something to your life that you just cannot deny whether that's a level of hatred fine but you've seen some stuff in football in terms you wouldn't know. You wouldn't have seen any other lifetime. Yeah, you'd have seen other icons, but Ronaldo is is his own man. No one's ever played football like this before. And given the ego, given the stature, given his physique, he's a special man. And I just feel that like this is a moment he does deserve some love. Um, Fifty goals in twenty twenty three, twelve hundred professional appearances, takes them to him. Mate. Yeah, 100%. I don't think that's that's ever up for debate. And I also don't think that there's ever debate that he is up there in the echelons of the greats. That's never been the question, I don't think. I think the debates around him and Messi often led to people deciding that one or the other were in some ways not worthy of the achievements because they preferred their rival. And that doesn't take away from wherever you sit on it, both of them being up with the greatest players that have ever played the game. And, you know, you know my feelings on this, you know, that uh, I've been a, a Leo Messi man for my entire life. I think he's the greatest footballer ever to have walked the earth. But I don't think that that takes away from what Ronaldo has done and the, the fact that he has been a phenomenal player, phenomenal goal scorer in the latter range of his career, the way he's changed himself from his early kind of styles to a very different kind of tank number nine, if you will. And I think what we've seen this year, in particular, in national duty is a sense that he's being able to to adapt a little bit more and you know credit to Roberto Martinez as well for this that he looks much more at ease in his Portugal side right now and perhaps that is an element of playing at a slightly lower level having to work a little bit less in order to to prove himself week in week out we talked about the fact that Messi won the world cup he'd actually spent a lot of last season or the season you know, prior to it, either injured or being kind of used sparingly at points by PSG. And actually, it meant that when he got to the World Cup, he was in a really, really good way, both physically and ready to to take that mantle on. And I'd imagine there's something similar coming when we get to this summer 
for Cristiano Ronaldo, who is still playing, you know, and, and playing at a decent level, but also has probably taken the onus off himself to be playing right at the top level week in, week out. And and I suppose that's probably a scary concept for the teams that he's going to yeah. come up against. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, I, I think, look, we're going to talk about coefficients and we're going to talk about the way that different leagues are regarded in different ways when we're talking about the golden boot in Europe. And I think that the Saudi coefficient would still remain relatively low considering the way that the league is ranked within world football. But you can't deny that he's gone there and he's done what he said he was going to do. And and that's that's all you can do sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. And now we've got the official confirmation too that he is going to play against Messi. Uh, February the 1st, mate. The unmissable game, isn't it? El Nasser v Inter Miami. I will watching be missing it. Sadly, I mean, I will be watching it because of, of Dylan. Like, that is the game of his dreams. But um, my last dance was when, when they were both playing for Real Madrid and Barcelona. I've refused to watch them in, in matchups since. Well, as we unless, said before, we might unless get... Unless there's that finalissima, in which case... Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm That'll be the... I'm back that in. is, we need that game, man. We need that game. Okay. Uh, all right. I want to talk about something slightly different from my things we love. And... Actually, it starts on on quite a, a sad note because on Sunday there was a game between Granada and Athletic Club and it was interrupted after 17 minutes due to the death of a Granada fan in the stands, Antonio Trujillo. And it was incredibly sad. The Athletic goalkeeper was the man who came up and, and notified the ref. There were the t- you know both teams, physios and, and medical staff, went to the stands to try and help out. But in the end, Trujillo very sadly passed away and they announced that the game had been suspended and on Monday night they restarted the game from the 17th minute with Athletic Club 1-0 up but before they did resume play there were some really lovely tributes and this is it I think that sometimes we forget about what the lifeblood of, of football is and not only did Granada captain Victor Diaz go up and lay a wreath on the seat that Trujillo has had for for so many years, but the club put a shirt with his membership number and his name on the back of the sh- on the seat. They've taken away the actual bit so nobody can actually sit on it. It's going to remain like that for the rest of the season, you imagine. Um, but also, Athletic captain Ika Munayin also went up and, and laid a tribute on behalf of Athletic. The Granada players all wore T-shirts bearing his name as well. And then his wife came out and spoke to Geraldo. And the line she used, and this is actually the line that I love. She said, my husband would have signed up to dying at Los Carmenes. <laughs> it really made me laugh. It really made me laugh. But it was also tinged with such, you know, emotion and sadness, but also yeah. this kind of sense that, you know, Trujillo had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and whilst they thought it were able to, you know, to deal with it and, and it was going to be some time before he passed away, there was, he, you know, she said that he always said, like Granada, he would fight until he died. He said he went to every game with a lot of hope, a season ticket for years since before they got promoted to La Liga. He never missed a game, even in the rain, was I think the line she used, which did make me smile, especially those of you that know Andalusia. It doesn't rain very much, so no. it's rain. I think it does change the, the looks of things a little bit. But I just thought that the tributes to it and the way that it was handled by the two clubs was really, really beautiful. And I, I love the moments you get in football sometimes when the clubs understand exactly what supporters mean to them. Can you imagine something like this? Yes, there would be sadness in the Premier League, but you can't imagine the clubs leading tributes, every player wearing a shirt on top of it, 
there is something very special about the way that this was handled at Granada. And I think that they deserve all credit for that. Um, obviously, rest in peace to Antonio. Uh, but as his wife said, this is probably the way he would have wanted to go out. And that was quite, quite tragically beautiful in his own kind of sense, I thought. A nice moment coming from a dark moment, if you will. And mm. um, when sometimes football does things like this very well, um, an athletic, we know, are a club that handle things generally pretty well in terms of the way that they look after their supporters, the way that they get people involved. So for them to be the opponents as well was probably quite a nice touch in that regard. And with that, I think it's probably time for us to move on to the main segment. So we're going to be talking European Golden Boot after the break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main segment. We're going to be looking at the players currently leading the race for the European Golden Boot or the European Golden Shoe as it's sometimes known. This comes because it was originally a French term, soulier d'or, which was translated and it doesn't really translate perfectly. So it's actually got two names, which is interesting. But just before we do it, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about one, the way that it works and two, the history of this trophy, because it's very, very interesting and at times incredibly funny. The European Golden Boot was basically inaugurated in around 1968 or around that kind of period. I think it was the 1967-1968 season and it was given out by L'Equipe uh, kind of in conjunction with Adidas who produced the trophy and UEFA. So everyone was pretty happy and everyone was ticking along winning. I think Eusebio won the first one and from there there's some big names who went on and won it. Gerd Muller won it a couple of times. Ian Rush won it. Marco Van Basten won it. Lots of different elements to the way that it's been won down the years. But it got paused for a little while after 1991 and that's because in 1991 Darko Panchev, who played for Red Star Belgrade or Svenish Vezda, as they are now known, won this with 34 goals. And the Cypriot FA complained and said that there was a player in the Cypriot leagues who'd scored 40 goals and that he should be awarded the trophy. There was no proof of this at the time. So <laughs> they left the war with Panchev and they actually went, nah, you're all right. We're going to stop this. This is, this is all getting very, very confusing. That's not the maddest thing that's happened. There was a year in 1987 where there was a proper scrap for the trophy. So Anton Polster played for Austria Vienna and he scored 33 times in 31 games. Um, it was between Austria Vienna and Rapid Vienna for the title in Austria. And over in Romania, in Bucharest, basically Stauer Bucharest had already won the league. They were 10 points clear of their great rivals, Dinamo Bucharest, and in Romania, as within a lot of the, the clubs in that region of the world, a lot of the teams represent a specific industry or a specific kind of part of the government. So Stauer were the club of the army and Dinamo were the Ministry of Internal Affairs. Okay. And basically, after the fact that they were like, well, there's no way that we're going to catch Stauer, they had a player up front called Rodion Kamrataru. And he scored something like 23 goals in the last 11 games to catch Polster and overtake him for the golden boot. And at this point, Polster was like, this is a sham. This bloke has scored like five goals in every game for the last four <laughs> weeks. And, and they weren't even winning all these games. They were losing them 6-5. They were, they were chaos, absolute chaos reigning. 
Uh, anyway, it, it came up to the point, Kamaratu won the trophy, you know, and, and look, I don't think there's any sense in many ways that Polsters was all perfect either. Obviously, there were different kind of elements to the two clubs in Vienna and the Rapid fans who were pretty convinced that the Austria-Vienna team were being backed by the government kept being like, it's a circus and waving their own shoes at him in, in the middle of this. Anyway, Kamaratu wins the trophy, goes to Monaco. Polster refuses to go and get second place. He mm -hmm. turns up and so the trophy remains in Romania. Adidas then have to come out and produce a separate trophy, which they give to Polster and the official award has been given to him. But anyway, so basically the, the, the history is full of madness yeah. and, and, and all this kind of mad sense of what's right and what's wrong, which leagues matter, which leagues don't. Why, you know, a team from playing in the Welsh first division has won the trophy before, but in today's parlance probably couldn't. And that comes from the coefficient system. So as we go into this, it's probably worth knowing that the top five leagues in Europe, which are the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, the Bundesliga and League A, get a coefficient of two points for every goal scored in the league. And only league goals count in the European Golden Boot Race. The next, I think it's nine leagues, six to 15, all have a coefficient of 1.5. So the goals from those divisions are times by 1.5. And then down at the bottom, the kind of minnow leagues of Europe, those coefficients are all one. It basically means that someone scoring goals in the Bundesliga isn't being given the same amount of credence as someone scoring goals in, say, Norway, um, in, in the late Syrian. And then in turn, those goals aren't given the same credence as something someone playing in perhaps the Welsh first tier. So that's where we get to. Uh, and that's the way that the thing shakes out. And with that, we can probably start to look at the top ten. <laughs> you've set the you've set the uh, the bar there, mate. The scene's mate. there. The scene is yeah, there. Yeah, the scene is set yours. for sure. Yeah, you've done well. Uh, yeah, basically, if you're playing in a top league, you get two points, and that's good because obviously it makes the higher leagues hold more value, which is what they want to try to make this. They want to make it just so that your goal scored in a higher ranked league counts for more than those scored in a weaker league. So that if Messi did go and score goals in the Welsh league, that he would have to score a lot more than he normally would to win this award. Well, double, basically. What, <laughs> double, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, which is very feasible. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to basically address the top 10. I mean, the ranking amazingly, it's taken care of us, mate. The ranking is there. It's a real-life thing. But we'll dress it up. We'll we'll show you exactly how it's opening up at this stage of the season uh, from 10 to 1. We'll race through the first five and then address the top five properly. But then we'll kind of talk about how this might pan out and who we would expect to perhaps push themselves into this discussion. Um, as it stands at number 10 right now, I'll take care of this one, Santiago Jimenez of Feyenoord. Um, this is a player who has really burst onto the scene this, this season, really. I mean, he's become a lot better known. Um, in fact, this week as Feyenoord go to play Celtic, I understand a lot of scouts are going to be watching this one um, from Premier League clubs. It's an easy scouting mission for them of a player who has, well, all the talent and all the traits to actually do really well in, in England. He started all 15 games so far for Feyenoord this season. And he scored in 11 of those matches. He's very consistent. He's got two hat-tricks along the way, one of which was against Ajax. Um, 
he's really strong. He's also really fast. And he's got... That sounds really basic, quite, but it's true. It's <laughs> like, so true. But yeah, it, it's it, they are literally the two traits that stand out to you straight away. And it's not like he'll just hang around the box. He's not like... I don't want to say Haaland hangs around the box, but he's not like Haaland. He's not like that sort of footballer. He's got more to him because... Well, yeah, he does get the, the scruffy goals and the nice goals is inside the box. He's also like, he does his own legwork and will often like break away from the halfway line. He loves to cut inside onto his left. And he's just got a real array of ways to get to goal. I think it's a really interesting player. I've I've loved watching it. I've only been watching him for a few months now, but I've, he's certainly come to my radar, especially because... I'm a transfer correspondent in most of my job and so many clubs have been starting to look towards him. Um, Tottenham, West Ham, Fulham, Newcastle, Chelsea, all of these teams linked recently. And the more you watch of him, the more you see why. Like this guy, it's kind of made for the Prem, if I'm honest. Like I think he would make the, I think he'd make the switch pretty seamlessly. I don't know if he goes in Jan. Uh, I don't know if I want him to go in Jan. I think I kind of want to see what he can he can do here across the whole season at, at Feyenoord. But um, yeah, really, really good player. Yeah, I, I really like him too. He, he's a very, very special kind of footballer in that he brings pretty much everything to the party. And we talked a lot over the last few years about complete number nines and kind of the emergence of Erling Haaland as the benchmark, if you will, for what a number nine should be able to do. Obviously, not everyone is going to reach that and there are going to be different styles, but a lot of people have looked to that kind of all-encompassing player to make a, make a difference at the top of the pitch. And Santi Jimenez is that in many ways. He has a lot of the attributes that, that Haaland has, obviously in, in a less kind of nuanced way. He's only a year younger than Erling Haaland and he hasn't had this meteoric rise to the very, very top of the game in the same way. But he has developed into a bit of a goal-scoring machine, I think, for, for Feyenoord. 18 goals in 15 appearances. Obviously, they don't count for this because it is only league goals, but two in three in the Champions League as well, where I think he's been impressive. And actually, you kind of look to that now and, and what's going to happen in this next bit. And we see where the Feyenoord end up in the Champions League late stages. That's yet to play by the time that you're listening to this. You will probably know. But whether they're going to be in the Champions League or the Europa League, he has a chance to make a statement on a European level, I think, in the second half of this season. So I'm with you. I hope he stays. I hope he makes that moment his own and therefore gets a move that perhaps he deserves as opposed to one he's kind of forced into in the January window. Mm. But especially with final chasing down PSV, now it's probably going to be too much. That lead is incredible. What PSV have done in, in the Eredivisie this season has been remarkable. But if they have any hope of chasing them down, Jimenez has to stay and he has to remain as the focal point of this attack. And I think what we've seen from him so far suggests um, that he he absolutely will be. It, it takes us yeah. nicely onto the player level with him, Dean. Who is yeah, Vangelis I was going to say, yeah, 27 points, both of these players, by the way, yeah. Yeah, Vangelis Pavlidis is at RZ Alkmaar. He's a little bit older than Jimenez and he's also been doing this for a little bit longer. This is not a surprise. He's also on 18 goals in the Eredivisie so far. And what we've seen from him this year in, in an RZ side that have fallen off a little bit from where they were last year. They're still up and around the European places, but Pavlidis is someone who has now started to remain consistent 
at this level and I think is definitely someone that people are going to have an eye on. He was the player that I wanted to replace Alexander Mitrovic at Fulham in the summer. Um, you know, he's also got three goals in five Conference League games, same rate, um, scoring 18 and 15 in the Eredivisie as Jimenez. So a really clever footballer, someone who is that physical presence in the box. And, and look, this is going to be a something that we see across the course of this. There are fewer players, I think, these days who have the ability to do things in a slightly different way. And, and that's the way that football works in cycles, right? We went through a period where everybody on this list at one point seemed to be a wide forward coming inside and scoring a lot of goals. And I think the way that the game shifts and continues to evolve and, and obviously is cyclical as well, we're seeing a lot more emphasis now on goal scoring number nines. And you'll see that through the course of, of the players we run through here. But... Pavlidis is another one who I think has probably the potential for a summer move to a top five league. He has shown what he can do over the last two, three seasons. It took a little bit of time for his career to get off the mark. Um, he sort of bounced around in, in various different places for, for a long time. He was part of Borussia Dortmund's second team, didn't really get that opportunity to shine in the first team. He went off to Bochum, then he went off to Willemsvai, which is where this all started to really explode and from there he joined RZ and his market value has absolutely rocketed since then and that's because he's just scored goals consistently from the moment he really started to get into this team and RZ lost a lot of key players in the summer we saw the likes of Jesper Carlsen leave we saw the likes of Tijani Reinders obviously join AC Milan saw Milos Kerkes head off to Bournemouth there was a lot of shifting around of the way that that team worked and they were very good last year his, the one thing that hasn't dropped off whatsoever is his goal-scoring ability. And I think this is a name you're going to be hearing around, not necessarily the biggest clubs, but maybe the tier below that for some time this summer. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I haven't seen as much of this guy, but I've heard you talk about him before. So uh, that's good. As you say, like he's got 18 goals on a 1.5 coefficient, exactly the same as, as Santi Jimenez. So they're basically tied in, in ninth and 10. But um, the next guy up, He's just slightly ahead of him, isn't he? Yeah, he's on 0.5 more of a coefficient right now than the two players from the Eredivisie below him. And this is Andre Ilic. He is a Serbian striker who plays for a Norwegian club in the shape of Valerenga. He joined them this summer from RFS in Latvia. So he has scored the first part of his goals across the Latvian summer season and the second part of his goals you know, across the second half of the Norwegian season, which wrapped up in December. Illich is an interesting player. He's 23 years old. He's a bit like a kind of raw, less technically gifted version of Nicholas Fulkrug. He's massive, absolutely huge, um, a real aerial threat. He scored a lot of goals in those kind of areas and someone who likes to get shots off and get into the mix of things. He's not particularly mobile. He's not particularly good at pressing. He's not the kind of player that I think is making a jump to a top league anytime very soon. There are too many limitations in his game. What he is good at, though, is putting the ball in the back of the net. And he deserves great credit for, for forcing his way into this list across two different, two different teams. Obviously, the, the league in Latvia is actually only a one coefficient. It's the, the 1.5 when he's moved to Norway that's bumped him up this list. Mm -hmm. But uh, an interesting bloke, Illich. I, again, I don't think that we're going to see too much more of a ceiling on this. And also, he will. he's the first player who will 100% drop out of this top 10 because his season is done. 
he is finished in terms of the way that it's going to play out. He won't play again until the Norwegian season kicks off again in 2024. And that will go into next season's European Golden Shoe. So we won't see Illich in here at the end, but um, shout out to him for getting in at this early stage. He's going to be the first, well, the first of what we call clubhouse leaders. He's part, He's posted his mark and now he's waiting for other people to, to get above him. Yeah, fair play to him. And you should enjoy this moment in this list too. Like, print it out, stick it on the fridge because you are surrounded by some very nice names. Um, you could show your grandkids one day. Two of the names above him are two that you should be most excited to be in the company of. And I'm actually going to kind of wrap these into one because we've got Erling Haaland at number seven on the list and we've got Lautaro Martinez at number six in the list. And both of these players have 14 goals. They're both on the two coefficients. They've both got 28 points. and. Look, let's be honest, I think by the time we get to the back end of this season, we can expect that these two might be one and two. Like, there's that potential, like, certainly given the way that you expect both of their these sides, Inter Milan and Man City, to do in the second half of the season. Erling Haaland won this uh, trophy last season. He is the reigning um, Golden Boot winner. And so far this season, he has 14 goals in 15 matches. Now, at this stage of last season, he had 18 goals. So bearing in mind that last season, he at this point, he did also have three hat-tricks. There's not a huge drop-off here. I think when you consider what Haaland's season has been like so far, it feels like, ah, oh, he's not quite as good as he was last year. I'm not quite as scared of him anymore and this and that. And it's like... That might be true to some, yeah, in some respects that might be true. And obviously he's, he's got an injury at the moment, but not far off it. He's really not far off it. If he'd got one hat trick like one week when he didn't score, which from Haaland you can go zero to three very quickly, he would be on exactly the same numbers as he was last season when he actually won the golden shoe. So let's bear that in mind that he's also in the second half of the season likely to have Kevin De Bruyne linking up with him again. Let's remember what the De Bruyne-Harland combination can be like. And if we do see a De Bruyne coming back to life in the Club World Cup, which takes place in a couple of weeks, and Harland then starting to get fit as well, yeah, that combo in the second half of the season could really ignite. And then Lautaro, well, he also has 14 and 15 games. He's also got the captain's armband at Inter. He is the guy that fires them to the Scudetto if they get there this season. He's changed his game up a bit more this season. He's more of a nine than he's probably ever been before, as far as I'm concerned. The types of goals he's scoring, the types of movements, the type of positions. He went three games without a goal at one point. But last season, it wasn't uncommon for him to go five games in Serie A without a goal. So there seems to have been a bit of a shift there from what we've seen so far. Lataro is so nice to watch. Like, he's just... Uh, a beautiful footballer. Like his his touches, his movements, his brain is just he's so smart, man, and his instinct for goal is ridiculous. A, a brilliant marksman, as you might call him. He's about to sign a new deal at Inter Milan, which potentially means he doesn't play anywhere else in his career. This could be it. He could be could be committing himself here. There's been interest from other leagues before. No one's ever taken the plunge and gone for Lautaro. Teams like Chelsea who considered it, and you look where they are right now, and you look what Lautaro Martinez is doing, I think they might have made a mistake. This guy is pretty special, and he's six right now, and yeah, he'll be in the top five come the end of the season, I'd imagine.
Yeah, especially the way that Inter are playing. I think that it's hard to look around Europe and see a team in better form than Inter are right now. They are cooking so nicely. And actually, what I really love about Lautaro this season, the way that his goal-scoring exploits have continued to thrive, is that he's playing with a new partner. Obviously, last year, he played a lot of the time with Edin Dzeko and with Romelu Lukaku. Played around those players. Both of those left the club in the summer. Obviously, Marcus Turan came in. So did Arnautovic. And he's sort of just not skipped a beat. He's had two new players around him. He's playing off a different kind of style of player in, in Turam, who's not quite the same type of player as either Jekyll or Lukaku is. And instead, we've got this sense that Lautaro was just like, don't worry about it. I got it. And the way that he exploded into this season was absolutely remarkable. I don't doubt for a second that he will end up in the top five here. He has been sensational. Inter are absolutely brilliant. And couldn't agree more with everything else you just said. Brilliant. Then to the top five we go then. And a player you've probably heard of before at five. His name is Kylian Mbappe. Uh, 15 goals, a coefficient of two. So he has 30 points right now. Um, look, when you consider the last three seasons in goal halls in Liga for Mbappe, you're looking at 29, 28 and 27. I think this is the season I'm expecting a 30 from Mbappe. You're certainly looking on course for that. Um, at this stage of the season. He's got one hat-trick and four braces along the way. What I would say is of this list we're going through, I think Mbappe is actually the best footballer. He's certainly the most exciting player on this list. Even if he doesn't end up scoring the most goals, I think he is the most entertaining goal scorer in the world. The way that this guy goes and gets his goals is different from the way that everybody else is going to do it. I can assure you of that. He's flamboyant. He's elegant, yet he's also tenacious. His style of goal scoring, yeah, isn't really like the number nines you might see, say, Lotaro or Haaland. Like, he's not like them. And a goal for Mbappe doesn't really feel complete unless, in the build-up to it, one of the defenders is, like, left on his backside somewhere. Like, you usually look back and he's, like, left behind a trail of destruction and he's, like, twisted people up or skinned them and gone past them with his step-overs or a little Cruyff turn. Whatever it is, an Mbappe goal doesn't really feel complete unless he's twisted somebody up in knots along the way. That is a general rule of thumb I now have with Mbappe, unless it's a header or a pen, uh, which is also very good at as well, Handley. He plays very much like Thierry Henry used to play. Uh, people have been compared to greats in the past and often failed to live up to the hype. Mbappe not doing that. He really is playing like Henry used to play. Obviously, is preferring a life out wide rather than going through the middle. Let's see whether that continues. At the moment, we've got another transfer saga talked about with Real Madrid. We're so bored of this. We just want to see it happen or not happen. But we'll be back again in the new year when the January transfer window opens and that will build up towards the summer, I'm sure. So that might provide a little twist as to whether Mbappe steps things up or, in fact, maybe it hinders his goal-scoring rate. Who knows? But... Yeah, currently, Kylian Mbappe of PSG is at number five. And as I say, got to be the best one to watch out the lot. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. It's just such a flair and a flourish about the way that he scores goals. And look, we've seen some absolutely sensational ones this year already. The The goal for France against the Netherlands, just absolutely ridiculous. And and I think you're right. He is different to almost everyone on this list. And, and actually, it goes back to that point we were making, right, about... 
how many players who actually are, are out and out wingers or wide forwards, you would probably put Mbappe in that category. Lautaro is a little bit different from some of the number nines and that he often operates as kind of a shadow striker. But we're talking about, you know, just to go through the top 10, Pavlidis, centre forward, Jimenez, centre forward, Illich, centre forward, Martinez, shadow striker, centre forward, Haaland, centre forward, Mbappe. And actually, as we go through this, we're going to see a lot more names at the top of this list who are also centre forwards. The fact he's on here from a different position just shows the calibre that we're talking about and also shows that kind of sense that if you can get things right, wide forwards are still an incredibly exciting presence in this list, even if the game has shifted a little bit from them being the dominant goal scorers in their teams. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely fair. Yeah, it's it, it's a very strange one, isn't it? But it's it's providing us with something a little different to watch, I think, as we head towards the the, the second stage of of this season. Um, and that's why, you know, honestly, we were looking at a ranking to do this week. This this really did feel perfect to kind of gauge exactly where we're at right now. And ultimately, the thing we all want to see defined as we get to this point of a campaign is. Who are the favourites to win things? Who are the guys that are standing out as the players of the season? And ultimately, a lot of that stuff is defined by the guys that are in this list. And like you say, they don't all play in the same way. Um, let's get on to number four, because this guy has made an absolute splash this season. Serhu Garassi of Stuttgart has got 16 goals so far this season in the Bundesliga. He's on a coefficient of two, so he's got 32 points. He's been absolutely brilliant. He's 27 years old and barely anybody could have expected such a prolific scoring run to stick him at the front of the goal scoring uh, race uh, like he has done. Um, he's, he's right up among among big names here and you definitely wouldn't have predicted that, but he 100% deserves all of these goals. He got a brace in Stuttgart's first game of the season against Bochum and he's never really relented apart from when he had a little injury layoff. He scored a couple of great hat-tricks, one against Mainz and one against Wolfsburg. Um, at one point, he surpassed a, a Robert Lewandowski uh, record that had been written for the first goal, the amount of goals scored in the opening stages of a season. As Girassi was at, I think he stood at 11 goals in seven games, and like it's just a, an amazing start to the campaign. And even as he's come back from injury, his his goal scoring exploits have continued. Um, He's got interesting competition for his spot because he actually has Undav there, who actually is, is scoring a, a relatively decent amount himself. So Garassi is like not the only goal source within this team. And he has to make sure he's on form or, he, or he's not guaranteed a spot. But yeah, he, he is brilliant. Um, I think that the way he scores goals is pretty cool too, to be honest. I mean, he's got this lovely fake in his locker that he's used a few times to floor defenders and then stick one away like a proper fake and you don't see it that often anymore like I remember in kids football or you see it on five aside quite often where you do a dummy and everyone falls for it and is completely like flat-footed or falls over and Grassi does that like he's done it a fair few times already this season completely thrown people he's also got the power to just smash one like he can really hit a ball um, but what I like is the inventiveness he's got to his finishing there's there's been a couple that you're just like, wow, like he's just come up with that type of finish on the spur of the moment, thrown into that situation to somehow get that ball past the goalkeeper. And he's done it. Also, away from the goals, his movements around the box. 
they're sublime. Like when he's looking for space, he finds it such an excellent way. I really like, I've started to just watch the way that he opens up spaces around the box. It's brilliant. I mean, he's so full of confidence at the moment. Obviously, he's getting linked with a transfer in the January window. He's got a release clause, which means that at the moment, he does actually look attainable. I'm sure that Stuttgart are doing all they can to prevent that. But from his point of view, I can also understand why he might want to strike while the iron's hot. Because as I say, he is 27 and... There are a few teams out there who are short of goals and would love a guy that's feeling like this right now. And yeah, Sehu Grassi, one of the the big stars of this season so far. Here's a hot take. If he leaves Stuttgart, I don't think he ends up in the top five in this list. I mean, I think there's a chance he doesn't end up in the top five in this list full stop. But if he leaves, I think he definitely doesn't. Something that we've seen throughout his career is it does take a little bit of time for him to get used to a new place uh, and actually to settle into into different environments. And that's not been something that's troubled with him. Now, he's obviously not been in the form that he's in right now when he's made these moves beforehand. But there is a sense that sometimes those those kind of moves can derail him until he finds his feet again. So I think actually the best thing for him might be to stay. Obviously, Stuttgart third in the Bundesliga right now. They're through into the latter stages of the DFB Pokal as well. There's a real opportunity for this side to do something quite special, especially when you put into context that they were in the relegation playoff last season. They yeah. survived in the Bundesliga by the skin of their teeth. And the way that they've started this season has been truly, truly remarkable. He's been sensational. And as you say, without that injury layoff, is he even higher in this list? I think the answer is yes. When he's got someone feeling like this and you're playing this way, I actually really like the understanding he has with Undav. And you're right, obviously, he Undav has stepped into that centre-forward role yeah. when Jurassi was injured. Now he's back. Undav's sort of drifted a little bit further wide. He's playing from yeah. a slightly different, more reserved right-hand side role and still being part of a very, very good attack. So I like the the kind of synergy that's going on at Stuttgart at the moment. I really like Jurassic as an all-round player, although I do think this is a hot hand. I think that there is an element here that we're seeing him overperform what he's he would do perhaps elsewhere. But that's also fine. That's not a problem. That's when you're scoring goals like this, you enjoy the runs you go on. And he's having a hell of a season. Fair play to him. He is, mate, yeah. Um, but as good as his season's been, he's behind somebody who I've got to admit, mate, I know nothing about. Hmm. Yeah, so three in the list is Amal Pellegrino, who plays for Birdo Glimt in Norway. Now, this is another one of those what we call clubhouse leaders, right? His season is done. Uh, Birdo Glimt won the league in Norway. He finished as top scorer with, with 24 goals. And it was a very, very good campaign. Pellegrino plays an interesting role. He's not an out-and-out number nine. He plays sort of as a shadow striker, sometimes off the left, and... What I love about Pellegrino is that he, every goal he seems to score seems to be glorious. He is a, a one, a scorer of great goals. And I think that when you score 24 in a season and like eight of them are push gas contenders, you're talking about, you know, a player who's got something very special in his locker. Now, I know there was interest from Ajax a couple of years back when they sold Steven Bergvine to, to Tottenham the first time. I know there's been interest in him before, but at 33, and with Berta Glimt, obviously, in, still in European competition as we speak right now, there's probably no reason for him to leave. Now, he's in his home 
country. He's at a club that absolutely adores him. He is very much seen as the main man uh, as part of that setup. And in a club where a lot of players have, have moved on in recent years, you know, we saw Olesol Bakken head off to Roma to try and make his, make his, I was going to say make his fortune. That's not really what I mean, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so Pellegrino has remained as a kind of constant in this Birdo side as they have kind of risen to a very respectable level in the European game. They're a side that a lot of people fear. We saw them batter Celtic a few years ago um, in the Europa League. They've been a really, really big success story. And considering his age and considering his profile, I can't see him moving anywhere you know, at this point in his career, which means that this is him done. His 24 goals are going to be all he scores this season. And you'd imagine that those 36 points are not going to be enough to bank him a top 10 or a top five spot, maybe a top 10 spot, but definitely not a top five spot come the end of the season, but a glorious player, um, a real joy. And I know there's been a lot of consternation in Norway about the fact that he's not received that call up to the national team, especially in the last international break when we saw Erling Haaland injured. A lot of people calling for his goals and his, his kind of versatility to be part of the setup. That didn't happen, but he's a lovely footballer to watch. Uh, I'm going to hope that Birdo are in the second half of, of European competition so that we get to see more of him. And yeah, just a, a, an incredible season. So his highlight reel is so worth your time. I, I can't I can't explain it. He just scores beautiful strikes all the time. A really, really nice footballer. And yeah, shout out Amal Pellegrino. Will not be in the top five come the end of this season. Yeah, honestly, I actually just recommend that everybody just goes through this list Tonight, tomorrow morning, at the weekend, whenever you've just you're just bored and you're sat there on YouTube, just go through and pick some of these players we're talking about that seem to excite you as we're talking about them and go through their goals, whether it's Garassi, Pellegrino, whoever, because it's great, man. Like I was I was going through this last night. Uh Dylan was taking ages to fall asleep and I'm like, okay, right, I'm just gonna sit here and watch YouTube goals. And I went through all these players. It was so great, mate. I mean he'd been asleep about half hour and I still just laid there watching watching goals because it, it just became like brilliant to just compare the stylings of their finishes and stuff like that. It yeah, it was cool. Um that moves me on though, mate. We're back to the two coefficient here. Death, taxes, Harry Kane scoring goals. Never changes. Um, he's in at number two at Bayern Munich. He's got 18 goals, sticks him on 36 points right now. The biggest surprise, I guess, to Harry Kane is that he's not number one. He became Bayern's record signing when he joined them from Tottenham. They wanted somebody that could be back to um, mimicking what Robert Lewandowski used to do for them. He's done that and he's probably even going to be better than that. He's an absolute master of slipping off the shoulder of his man. That was the, that was really the thing. As I'm sitting there watching Harry Kane's goals from across this season and I'm just watching like the chances he's presented with, I'm like, it's like he's invisible. The way he slips away from He's been people, learning from Thomas Muller. <laughs> he he might have himself. got even better at this. He might have got even better at this because he just... He'll either just like slide away from someone or drop off them while the f defender just watches the ball for a second. And you watch the ball land at his feet and it all looks so simple. It almost really, It's like he's just hanging around in the right areas. But that is an art in itself that Harry Kane has just absolutely mastered. He's brilliant. It's a guarantee that he tops the goal scoring charts in Germany this season unless he gets injured. Like he is already the most prolific Englishman in a single Bundesliga season. So he's overtaken the likes of Kevin Keegan and Jaden Sancho for that. 
we all know like his finishing preferences and the way that he likes to score goals, that kind of ruthless. It's kind of like a driven side foot that he loved, he likes to use at times. He's got those superb penalties as well that he, he doesn't seem to miss very often at all, unless it's a really important one for England. Um, but we also know that Harry Kane's got even more to his game than just the goals, and he's been doing that too. Look, I'll actually be stunned if he doesn't win the Golden Shoe, if I'm honest. But, but, given the way that things are going on a team basis for him right now at Bayern Munich, who knows? As I said on Patreon on Monday, like, this would be the most Kane-y thing ever. He's joined Bayern Munich. They always win trophies. At the moment... (laughs) There's no guarantee. Anyway, they lost, they lost the Super Cup in, in, in August. They were knocked out of the DFB Pokal by Saarbrücken. And they're, what, four points behind by Leverkusen at the top of the Bundesliga. They do have a game in hand. It's they have not a game in hand, but they just quite... lost 5-1 at the weekend. Bayern don't lose 5-1. Apart from Mate, Frankfurt, apparently, which is not the first time this has happened. Not the first time, yeah. Um, so you never know. It might actually... Kane ends up potless at Bayern Munich, mate, then, as I say, maybe he is cursed. And that would actually overshadow anything he does manage to achieve on a personal level because he's been brilliant. He's been he's made this switch superb. seamlessly. And, and, I, and I've been so impressed by it. And, yeah, Harry Kane is just a master at work. He's not top of this list, though. And not. what's interesting about the player who's top is that he has a head start. So, Akko Adams joined... Montpellier this summer from Lillstrom in Norway. And he scored 15 goals in 15 elite Serian appearances in Norway before he moved to Liga. And so what that means is that he has a 22.5 head start on everybody else in the top five European leagues. And now he has a full season to back it up. He is <laughs> second in the Liga goal-scoring charts with seven goals for Montpellier. He's only behind Kylian Mbappe in that list. But the head start does give him a really interesting advantage in this because it means that he's basically, what are we saying, 11 goals already ahead of anyone else compared. So if he scores 10 less than Mbappe, he'll finish above him in the go- in the golden boot race, which is really interesting. And look, I really like Akor Adams, right? This was a, an interesting signing in the summer. They they signed him to replace El Yawahi, who obviously moved on. He's a really, really complete forward. And I, I really like him. He's massive. He's also rapid. His pressing game is exceptional. The way that he, he drops off and links play, really, really neat as well. And... You know, Montpellier side who, you know, after a while bouncing between divisions and and who had struggled to survive in Liga, they kicked on last year and it looks like they're kicking on again to be another, you know, comfortable mid-table finish. Suddenly you're a bit like, oh, if he's the main man, he's on pens. He's the man who they're looking for to lead the line across the course of this season, the main goal-scoring threat. Is there a chance that he's right in this conversation at the end of the season? Now, I don't necessarily think he'll win it. But I think he might well be up there because as a striker, 23 years old as well, someone who's really got the prime of their career ahead of them, someone that everyone should be keeping an eye on because I think that there is maybe the presence, maybe not to be quite at the the very top of the game. I don't think he's going to be starting for Manchester City anytime soon. But I think there are a lot of teams in that sort of challenging 
Champions League, winning Europa League kind of tier below, who Akor Adams could well end up being a key player for. And look, it's another Nigerian striker doing absolute bits. Obviously, oh, we saw Osimhen do it in Liga. Oh, yeah. He's spoken about the fact that the players he watched in Liga growing up were the ones that have inspired him. And I just think as a kind of an all-round centre-forward with no obvious flaws to his game right now in an attacking sense, there's a lot here to be shaped over the next couple of years that could turn Akor Adams into another absolute top-of-the-game striker for Nigeria. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, what I would also say, uh, thanks for wrapping that up and doing such a good summary of the number one of a, a player that I'm not sure how many of our listeners have uh, actually heard of before now. So there you go. We've all learned something today. Akor Adams is the best goal scorer in Europe, uh, according to this. Um, but he's not going to have it all his own way, not just because of the competition within the top 10, but even outside of the top 10, there are some lurkers that are preparing to do more damage um i'll throw in number 11 as a contender jude bellingham who might be known as a midfielder but is very fast becoming a center forward uh, at real madrid he's got 12 goals which sticks him on 24 points so that's three points behind santi jimenez who makes up the top 10 uh bellingham as we all know has been absolutely outrageous this season and some like experts and by experts I mean like pundits who are strikers I'm hearing more and more talk about the fact that they believe Bellingham could be one he could be a center forward if he wants to now I prefer the way that he drifts into spaces from the position he is right now and like he runs off the shoulder his runs into space even if he doesn't receive the ball is great because it opens up channels for whoever's on the ball at the time to, to, to dart into but Bellingham can basically be whatever he wants to be. And in the second half, he'll definitely be in this top 10. I don't know how far up, but I fancy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still not completely convinced that this is not sustainable because I think... That, really? What, no, no, no. What, we, what I'm not saying is that I think if Jude Bellingham continued to play in this exact role for the entire season, I think you're probably right. But I think yeah. at some point, Madrid will look for a little bit more control. And yeah. just that ability to to shift the way and the dynamic of the way that the team works. And we've seen it a little bit already in the game where Brahim Diaz played in the 10 and they dropped Bellingham a little bit back into slightly further back in the diamond in order to try and get more out of him in those kind of senses. So I'm not completely convinced that Carlo will stick with this for the entire season. But if he does, I think there's a good chance that Bellingham's in here. What I've loved is watching that kind of development of the way that he runs onto the ball. We've seen not only those box crashing runs that people have compared to someone like Frank Lampard, where he's able to get on the end of things and make a difference, but also kind of defense splitting runs where he, he kind of goes through the middle of the center halves, kind of collects the ball like an off the shoulder striker and puts them away. And the changes from that, from what we saw at Borussia Dortmund is pretty stark. Look, I think what we're talking about here is a player who's so complete that he could almost do whatever you need him to in almost any position on the pitch. And that's pretty remarkable for a 20-year-old. But whether his best strengths are utilised by being a number nine, maybe they are. Look, maybe they are. We talked about Cristiano Ronaldo as a winger and there was a lot of question marks when he started to play century. And they were like, well, are we going to still get the best of him cutting onto that right foot? The answer was yes. He got better. Never mind. Yeah. So I'm not saying that there's no scope for, for change here, but I wonder if Bellingham's energy and intensity and ability to win the ball back in the middle of the park 
would probably be less served by the idea of him yeah. going and playing as a number nine. So, look, we'll have to see how this one develops, but I don't think there's any doubt that Bellingham could almost do whatever he puts his mind to. Fair enough. So outside of that top 10 and Bellingham, is there anybody else that you think breaks in? Well, Mohamed Salah is here, currently in 14th, 11 goals, 22 points. I would be surprised if he doesn't end the season at least in the top 10, uh, if not a little bit higher. There's a couple of players below that. Lois Appender has 10 goals in the Bundesliga. I think he's going to keep scoring goals. I really like Appender as a forward, and I think he has everything he needs to succeed, especially in the Bundesliga, which should suit him. And Heung-Min Son is level with him if he continues playing as the kind of central striker for, for Spurs or out wide, to be honest. It doesn't really matter where you put him. This Spurs side under Ange Postacoglu seems to have unlocked something new in Heung-Min Son. I just wanted to give one shout out to Solvi Vatnahama, who plays for Vikingur in the Faroe Islands. And he is the clubhouse leader and top player in a one-tier league. So he every goal he scores is only worth one, as opposed to the two in the top leagues and the 1.5 in that kind of mid-range. He got 21 goals in the Faroese League. Um, <laughs> and he is basically the top uh, the top ranking player who's in a league below the top 16. So I just wanted to give him a bit of a shout. 37 years old, still banging him in in the Faroe Islands. Nice. Would have been in like the same era as me, really. So one of my own. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I thought you'd appreciate an old boy still and Ronaldo still doing and me, the business. Mate. Yeah, exactly. All of you having a nice time. Um, yeah, that's that probably takes us to the end of this ranking list. Is anyone else that you think is catching your eye to make a late dash? No, mate. I've got another ranking to do. Okay. All right. Well, we will keep that for part three. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where on the back of the success of last week's part three we are going to well keep this segment in for a couple of weeks and see what the response is there is yes. the segment is called guru wisdom and dean is going to be regaling us with some life lessons he's learned in his old age uh, basically mate this is just a new take on gibberish i think um but it's going to need a jingle for sure um it's either going to need a jingle or i don't know Dylan and Reese giving me some sort of build-up. I'll have to figure it out if it stays. But a lot of people uh, did seem to like last week, uh, which was a bit of nonsense, but uh, Life Lessons has been continued into this session of guru wisdom. And this week, I'm going to talk you through my three drink discoveries of 2023. Um, I think great discoveries, it could be a theme that I, I go on for the rest of the year, actually. And I'll, I'll just hone in on drinks for this week. And I don't mean alcoholic drinks. None of these, in fact, are alcoholic drinks. So um, this is something that all of us could, can learn from. Um, water. Very drinks. They're very different drinks. He's discovered drinks. water at 40 years old. Uh, I've always drunk a lot of water. I'm very good at that. Um, I've got a wife who literally drinks liters and liters and liters of it a day, and it's worn, uh, worn onto me. So I've, I've got that one in the bag already, mate. Um, these three drinks... I'd never tried this before this year, 100%. Um, but we are cracking on. In fact, I've got right here, nobody else apart from you is going to see this. But at number three, mate, look, Prime. <laughs> I'm holding a bottle here You're a of child. lemon and lime Prime. I had managed to totally avoid, ignore all the hype around this drink for the first 18 months since its launch, which was in January 2022, right? But. In the summer, we were in America, 
and Dylan saw in a like a grocery store a whole like shelf just full of all the different colors of Prime and stuff, and obviously he recognizes it from YouTube and stuff, and got sucked in by all the colors and the branding. So we were on holiday. I ended up buying him one. He didn't drink it all. It was the orange one. Um, so he didn't drink it all. I was like, well, I'll have it. I thought, actually, that's all right. It's just like orange squash, but it's a bit nicer. And more uh, expensive. Yeah, quite, quite enjoyed it. A bit more expensive. <laughs> uh, very inoffensive. So I thought, okay, that's fine, whatever. Didn't really think that much more of it. Then about three weeks later, off we went to the Emirates. Uh, Arsenal played Fulham. And... Uh, I'm grabbing myself uh, a beer before the game. Uh, Dylan looks over the thing and he sees Prime in the fridge. He said, well, I have a Prime. I said, will you? It was a tropical one. It was absolutely disgusting, mate. He had one sip. Uh, I thought he was going to cry. He gave it to me. It was disgusting. I'm not having that ever again. I can assure you of that. But since then, I've tried lemon and lime like I've got right now. It's actually a complete coincidence, by the way, that I'm holding this right now. Uh, It's just been next to me on the table from one that we had uh, earlier in the week. Um, But actually, the lemon and lime one is my favourite I've had so far. Uh, I do prefer it a little bit watered down because it's a bit bit too um, sour, bitter, one of those two. And for Dylan's Dylan's Christmas present, I've actually got him a, a Glowberry one. I don't know if you know about Glowberry. It's got a, a remarkable... Um, Glowberry remarkable... sounds like something out of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Snozberries yeah, and it looks and amazing, mate. It's like this black bottle with these green like bubbles around it. The packaging looks great. I thought, wonder what flavour this is, this Glowberry stuff, which, by the way, I've been searching for and like buy it on eBay for about £9 a bottle and all this stuff. I'm, like, I'm not doing that. Anyway, it turns out it's coconut water. It's coconut water inside. That's all it is. Uh, I got really lucky the other day. I went into Tesco and they had all this prime. They had one Glowberry left. Grabbed it. Stuck it in the bag. Dylan's got one of those for Christmas. And Reese is getting a strawberry and watermelon one. So I've got two more flavors to try. Really looking forward to it. Really didn't see this day coming. But I'm a massive prime fan. Honestly, I do worry about you, but you do have children, so you have an excuse at the very least. This is the thing I told you the other day. I'm reliving childhood, mate. I'm suddenly playing FIFA every night. I've got new football boots and I'm out playing like three or four times a week. And, and now I'm drinking prime. prime. This is brilliant. I'm loving it. Here he goes. Uh, He's young again. Number two, let's go for a hot drink, shall we? I've talked about this before, actually, on Patreon. I've always had a bit of a thing for a vanilla latte. And there are definitely worse vices to have in life than a vanilla latte. Um, generally speaking, I think it's probably better than like being addicted to like drugs. They say that vanilla lattes are a slightly better for you yeah. than, than going down that rabbit hole. But I'll be honest, if I'm having it like fair few times a week, it's not great to be having all that sugar in my coffee. And it's pretty unnecessary. Um, I go through stages sometimes where I have that every day. I wanted to get away from that. Anyway, I barely ever have a vanilla latte anymore. I don't think I ever will because I have discovered oat milk. And oat milk changes everything when it comes to coffee. I don't know why no one had ever told me about this before. It's got a natural sweetness to it that really complements the taste of the coffee, mate. And I'll be honest, it's completely enhanced my overall coffee experience, mate, since I've started having this oat milk in my coffee. I think I did talk previously about the hazelnut oat 
milk latte that I had. I think I had it one while we were recording once. And it was very nice, but it did get a little sickly, and it's probably very seasonal. So I'm going to actually stay away from there. I'm just going to have a straight Americano with oat milk, probably every day, probably for the rest of my life. It's really smooth. It adds a bit of texture, a bit of taste that's a bit different. Look, if you don't like cow's milk, great alternative. Um, highly recommended, mate. Have you tried it yet since I last mentioned it? No. Um, I, I just, it just doesn't do anything as an influencer. for me. I'm a real, I'm a real stickler. To be honest, I don't really drink much coffee. It's not really my scene. And it's probably because I don't have children. But it's one of those things that I, if I'm having a coffee, I go out and have it. It's not very much, uh, I don't really make them at home. It's, it's not really something I do. I'm a tea drinker. And in tea... Oat milk, almond milk, soya milk is rancid. All of it. It's just none of it works. It all makes the tea taste funny. I'm very unhappy. And Lucy's a real almond milk girl. And it just makes me feel a bit ill. So basically, I'm going to stick with normal milk. And then when I do have a coffee, I go out and have all of the sugar that you could possibly put in one cup. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, give me, give me, what are you saying, vanilla? I'm a caramel, but double the caramel syrup. I want it sickly, uh... but it's sickly sweet. But because I don't drink that much coffee, I haven't taken this in, the advice yet. But I think at some point in my life, feels like something I'll, feels like something I'll delve yeah. into. And at that point, I will take your advice on board. Yeah, I hope it rubs off at some point, mate, because uh, guru wisdom is for that. I like all. I like to think that all, everyone listening to this, the next time they go to order a coffee, I'm going to be just there in the back of their mind saying, get the oat milk, get the oat milk. That little devil <laughs> on your shoulder. Right, what's the number one? At number one is a drink I really don't think I'd heard of a year ago. Actually, I'd maybe heard of it, didn't really know what it was. Still, be, I'll be honest, I'm still not entirely sure what it is. Kombucha. Yeah, you, you have mentioned this, that it's become a staple it's a, of your diet. It's become a game changer, mate. And do you know why it's become a game changer? And it's because it's a really good alternative to having alcohol. Like, the thing is, like, you get through, I don't know, it might be halfway through a weekend, might be just in the evening as you're knocking off of work or something and starting to unwind or just might be sat there at night time, whatever it is. And you just get that urge maybe to have a beer or a glass of wine. And I don't know why you necessarily get that, um, but you do. And it's very hard to replace that urge with, I don't know, a squash or a glass of milk or sometimes a cup of tea can hit the spot. But typically, the, the thing that I think I miss if I'm not having alcohol is that little kick, that little bite you get at the back of your throat, the, just that feeling. And it's very hard to replicate that. But in a good kombucha... I've found it, especially if it's like a ginger one. If it's got a snap of ginger in it as well, you're getting that hit. It's actually really good for you. I mean, uh, I'm not going to go into all the health benefits of it, but it's far healthier than me having a glass of wine. It's good for like your energy levels. It's good for um, gut health and all these sorts of things that it promotes. But ultimately, the thing I like about it, apart from the fact that it's better for me than beer, you get loads of really good flavors. It's definitely a better uh, alternative that, to having um, alcohol every single night. And it's just that option to have, which I've never had in my life before, before this moment. Now, in America, I think this has been a bigger thing for a longer time. Uh, I know that like our friends that live out there, they've, been, they've known about kombucha for years and they, they, they have it and whatever. But I think this year has been the takeoff, mate. And I think I'm going to be a king of kombucha 
as we move forward. Um, those of us that drink it actually call it booch. Um, so we're the boochies. And if you'd like to be a boochie, next time you're out and about, <laughs> see if you can find a bottle or a tin of kombucha. Give it a try. Let me know what you think. I haven't tried this yet, so I actually am. Um, I will try it at some point. I think the reason I haven't tried it is because I don't get that urge when I'm at home or my like you know at the end of a day. I just drink like I'm. I'm a big big water guy, as you know. Sparkly water. I love a sparkly water, and that's my that's my go to. If I'm if I'm drinking, I'm going out, but I very yeah. very rarely have a drink at home. I'll and tell I you what it changes. Be- I think it's because. Well, it might be because, again, because children. But more than that, I think there's an element of because I drink Guinness and Guinness is just so much better from a tap than it is from a can, et cetera, et cetera, that actually if I want a pint, I want to go out for it. And so that's that's maybe the difference. when you have children, you can't do that. Hmm. Well, maybe by that point, I'll have a Guinness keg in my house. I'm not even a big drinker at home. I'm not a big drinker anyway. But I don't want to really be someone that drinks at home on their own. I'm really keen to avoid that. So even if it stops me having the odd, I'm happy to have the odd drink at home. Like I'm, it's not going to kill me. But if I can avoid it, I might as well avoid it. If I can, maybe I'm going to mix this, a bit of prime in there as well. If I some, throw a bit of prime. And some <laughs> sounds delicious there we go the guru cocktail has been revealed well, i mean that did turn into a gibberish exactly exactly and with that i think it's probably us time for us to call it a day so all there's left for me to do is say thank you very much to our guru mr dean jones cheers mate i've been jack collins name of hearts this has been ranks fc we'll be back tomorrow talking all our way through the champions league what happened in match day six the permutations who's through to the knockouts who's into the europa all very exciting and then of course we'll have a friday episode over on our patreon looking at all the europa league europa conference league action and looking forward to the weekend ahead as well for now thank you so much for listening as ever and we'll see you very shortly rank squad Take it easy. Peace. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. 
With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.